0: Oh yeah, real lifers, citizens of the world, welcome to
1: the Real Life Global Movement where our mission is to inspire, empower, and connect the world through English. We believe that English should be a fun and enriching part of your life that you can practice and enjoy whenever and wherever you want. Are you tired of boring lessons that suck the life out of your learning? Are you ready to step up your game and become a kick ass English speaker? Well, we're here to guide and inspire you on your journey to true lifelong
0: fluency. It's time to stop just learning English and start living it. Can again oh yeah? Oh yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen boys and girls from all across the earth this is ethan from real life english where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun natural effective or
1: wanderlustful
0: way to learn english so download this podcast and listen to it while you're riding the bus seated in first class globe trotting or even
1: sitting on the side of the road and hitchhiking
0: oh yeah I'm joined here in the Cross Atlantic studio, as always, by the man who eats soup with chopsticks,
1: Justin Murray. Oh, uh, yeah. So what is going on? What do you mean by eat soup with chopsticks? What are chopsticks?
0: Chopsticks are generally what uh, I believe in most Asian countries, they're the utensils that people used to eat. And in the United States, at least we only tend to use them if we go out for like Chinese food or Japanese food. But uh, Justin uses them also when he's having a nice hot bowl of soup in the winter.
1: It's true. Have you seen that movie, uh, Karate Kid?
0: I probably did many, many years ago.
1: The original one from like 1985 or something. Anyways, Mr. Miyagi, the teacher, the mentor, was teaching him karate. He, He used to catch flies with his chopsticks. Can you do that as well? Yes, it was actually inspired by me, that scene in the movie.
0: Rolling right into this, David Mitchell once said, Travel far enough and you meet yourself. That was from the book and I guess the movie Cloud Atlas. What does that quote mean, Justin?
1: Well, it has a lot to do with today's podcast because we are going to talk about traveling, adventures, and backpacking. And I'm going to tell a little bit about my story. I think Ethan's probably going to tell a little bit about his story. And this is one of my biggest realizations. People ask you, like, why are you traveling? You know, what are you doing? And I traveled actually on the road for several years of my life. So, people would ask you, what are you searching for? But it's kind of like it's, it's a meeting with yourself. So, if you keep traveling, it's like you get to know yourself, you discover yourself, you discover new aspects of yourself through the world. And you expand your perspective on the world too. So, that's what it means for me.
0: It's kind of like many people might do something like a pilgrimage or some sort of religious journey, at least like uh, back in the day. And obviously, you can still do this kind of thing to kind of have some sort of enlightenment or some sort of discovery about yourself, about your purpose, about uh, how you can make an impact in the world. And uh, I think the modern day pilgrimage is just kind of picking up a backpack and taking off to another country. So Justin's definitely got some interesting stories. We've talked a lot about my stories on the podcast. So I think it's time for him to be mostly in the hot seat.
1: What do you mean in the hot seat?
0: The hot seat is like when someone is on the spot, or they're basically being interviewed, or it's their turn to present something of that matter. So
1: okay, and you you also said back in the day,
0: back in the day, back in the day means in the past.
1: Yes, this is back in the day for me, even though I live in Brazil right now back in the day for me, I started traveling back in the day when I was maybe 2425 years old. And I spent some years traveling. My quote of the day actually is one of the quotes that inspired me from a writer, an author that really inspired me. He's probably responsible for me traveling. But the quote is from Jack Kerouac, author of the famous book On the Road, another book called Dharma Bums, which I read and really impacted me. But the quote is, I saw that my life was a vast, glowing, empty page, and I could do anything I wanted. Oh, yeah. So what does that quote mean to you, Ethan?
0: I I really love that quote as well. It's kind of like your destiny is in your own hands. Don't just wait for life to happen to you. It's like actually write your own story.
1: Each moment, each day is is pregnant with possibility. His life is, is a vast, glowing. What does glowing mean?
0: Glowing means that it's emitting light.
1: Yeah, it's an empty page and you can do anything that you want. So I really love that quote and this really inspired me to travel. So hopefully it inspires you to do something that you feel called to do.
0: And you said that was from On the Road. You may not remember this, but like the first time we hung out, we went to go see the movie On the Road,
1: Okay, which was, I
0: think, not as good as the book.
1: That's right. Yeah, don't see the movie. The book is way better. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment.
0: Rolling into today's shout out, we actually have a couple. The first one is a five star shout out from iTunes and from MY2059. Not sure what your real name is in the United States. And he or she said, I've been listening to this podcast for a few months now, and I've learned a lot. The podcast covers different aspects of improving fluency in English. The content of each podcast is well-created, and I really enjoy it. I also learn not only English, but self-development tips. Thanks for hosting the show. So thank you so much to MY2059.
1: Oh, yeah, M.Y. Thank you. Here's a big high five. And an, oh, yeah. across the globe. And uh,
0: feel free to let us know if you want to shoot us an email and let us know what your actual name is. We would love to hear from you. And if you want to get a shout out on the podcast, be our next kick ass learner of the week, then you can go to the show notes of this podcast at realifeglobal.com slash backpacking. And if you scroll down to the bottom, you will see an instructional video of how to leave an iTunes review. And this helps the podcast a lot. It helps English learners all over the world to find it so that they can learn with it just like you. Oh, uh, yeah. And I believe we have one more shout out to, i um, not exactly sure the pronunciation, Gislaine, who is a Fluency Circle member, a member of the Real Life Native Immersion course and who just started the Fluent with Friends course as well. So do you want to quickly explain what those are, and then we can read uh, Gislaine's shout-out?
1: Yeah, so basically we're in contact with people who are taking our courses, our students. So from time to time... People are often saying that nice things, and so we decided to build a testimonials page. We're going to start working on that to make it a little bit easier to show what students are saying, and we always ask for permission, of course, but Gislain said some really nice things. So he said, before anything, let me tell you that these courses are the best courses I've ever had in my life. I've tried many other courses. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh, yeah, Gislain. That's really awesome. So Gislaine is taking the Native Immersion course, which is basically taking some of our podcasts. 41 of them, actually, and we break them down with 35 to 40-page PDF explanations that break down the transcript with all the pronunciation, idioms, phrasal verbs, slang, pictures, and just everything you need to understand in depth exactly everything that we're saying in this podcast. So, Gislaine invested in the Native Immersion course, and that's actually... It's one course that you get a lesson every week, and that ends up becoming a lot of work. But he decided to invest in Fluent with Friends at the same time. And So what we did is we decided to create a two-week delivery system and alternate every other week. And that seems to be working out pretty well. A lot of other Fluency Circle members have decided to invest in both courses. So one week, you're studying with the podcast, you're studying with us, teaching you with these lessons. You you have the the PDF power lesson, 35 to 40 pages, breaking down the entire lesson and then the Anki vocabulary. And what exactly is Anki vocabulary, Ethan? Anki is one of my favorite learning tools, if I do say
0: so myself. It's a very cutting-edge technology that basically works with your memory to help you to learn words like right before you would forget them so that you basically never forget the new vocabulary that you learn.
1: Yeah, there's something called the forgetting curve. It's kind of a graph that shows new information that you learn. If you only study it once, You will gradually forget that information. You will only retain less than ten percent. But if you review this on a strategic basis, you will actually get up in the ninety to one hundred percent range of memory. So all those words you're learning—if you just study once—you're not really learning. You forget most of it. But if you can strategically review, then it's a lot smarter way to study because you spend less time and it becomes more permanent. Becomes long-term memory. And this is something that we do with twenty words from every episode. 20 most important words from these Native Immersion episodes, these podcasts, and we give you a chance to learn them. And this is something we also do with the Fluent with Friends course. And how exactly is the Fluent with Friends course different than the Native Immersion course, Ethan?
0: So it uses, I think, the really same powerful methodology that the Real Life Native Immersion course uses, but... The source material, so basically instead of using some of our best podcast episodes, it uses the first two seasons of one of the most popular TV series of all time, Friends. That's where the name comes from. And so this is, you know, if you love TV series, it is definitely a great way to improve your English with your favorite show.
1: Uh, Yeah. So that's Native Immersion Course, the Fluent with Friends Course, our two flagship most important courses. If you guys have any questions, we're all ears. We're here for you. Just send us an email at fluencyteam at reallifeglobal.com or my personal email is justin at reallifeglobal.com. Or ethan at reallifeglobal.com. Oh, yeah. So now let's jump into this topic. So we thought we'd start with actually just some life insights because Ethan is somebody who has traveled a lot too. And I think this is one of the things we identify we both identify with. And I think it, it was an important thing for us to build our friendship and also real life English. I think it's something that is really awesome that we both had the opportunity to travel, to experience many parts of the world. We just discussed some some life insights some things that we learned based upon our traveling. And so I, I just gathered a few of these. So the first one is, I don't know if you've experienced this, Ethan, but whenever I've traveled, I've gone to different cities and I sort of discover myself anew in each city. It's kind of like when you're you're in one city. It's like, you know, where you grew up, everybody looks at you in a certain way. Your family thinks they know who you are. I mean, they do know you, but this is who, who you've been your entire life. And so it's maybe a little bit difficult to reinvent yourself in your old city where you're from because everybody looks at you in a certain way. And so a lot of times, like who we are is other people think we are. We don't have the opportunity to really uh, discover this new version of ourselves until we go to a new city when the possibilities are open.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like that Jack Kerouac uh, quote that basically your life just becomes an open page when you move to a new place. And uh, I totally know what you're saying. I think also just with every new language, we've talked about this before, how your personality can change a lot in different languages. And then it's almost like bridging the gap between like the old you and the new you that, that you kind of have molded into in this new place. And, you know, like for me, for example, I, I almost feel like there's a part of me that's a very different person here in Barcelona than I would be back at home. And like, you know, when you talk to people back home, a lot of people, if they haven't traveled themselves, they might have trouble really comprehending, you know, that kind of enigma of that.
1: And drawing on that realization, this is another thing that happened to me. I think it's really connected to real life English. And I think it's a bar inspiration for this aspect of our project. It's, it's because, you know, Ethan and I are both native English speakers and we're saying that English is important for you to develop a different perspective on the world, a global consciousness. And that's true because, you know, we inherited English, but at the same time, our version of that experience is us traveling and opening it up to other languages, opening it up to different cultures, being able to communicate with people from different cultures. And in that sense, you start to realize that people all around the world are very similar to us. We have similar desires, similar dreams, and going back to continuously say no matter what divides us, what unites us is far greater. Wouldn't you say that that's the case, Ethan?
0: Most definitely. I think the, for me, at least the first time that I moved out, outside of the United States, I was pretty young. I was like 17, 18, and I went to live in Germany. And I think that I at that point, I couldn't really put it into words, but I had all these Preconceptions of what I thought German people would be like, and then when I actually got there and I was going to school there and everything, I was like, "Oh, German people who are my age are just like people my age are in the U.S., except for maybe some small details." But uh, I think the thing that's really amazing now is—is is, uh, that was maybe 2007. The internet was still pretty young, and now it's just so easy to connect with people from all over the globe. Things have completely changed, and you can get that realization without spending the huge amounts of money that you need to study or live abroad.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we'll touch more upon that that topic. But another insight that I think uh, both of us have had, and this is related to that that technology in some sense, but there are many different ways to travel. I think a lot of people don't travel because they can't really imagine it in their lives. But if you start to really like, look in alternative ways to look at the world and plan in different ways and, and, and really, really take action on your dreams... Maybe there are different ways you, you can travel. You know, you don't need to wait until you retire or until you have a lot of money to travel. Maybe, maybe you can travel in more creative ways. And what are some of those ways, Ethan?
0: Well, I think we talked a little bit about uh, already about study abroad. We talked about backpacking a little bit, which I'm sure we'll go into a lot more talking about your story. Uh, something that's not so popular in the U.S., but that is very popular in the U.K. is a gap year which is basically many people in the UK before they head off to college, they will take a year off and they might go, people do different things, but a lot of people will use that to go travel the world. So I know they would like uh, my friends who did this worked really hard when they were in high school, saved up money and then just did an entire year traveling all around the world. And I think it's quite a shame actually in the U S it's kind of frowned upon to take time off between high school and university. Cause you can have such a learning experience.
1: Mr. V, hey, hang on. To frown upon? What does that mean?
0: Frown upon means that something is not seen as positive.
1: Okay, what is a frown?
0: A frown is the opposite of a smile. So like when you're displeased with something, you you frown. You turn your lips down.
1: Ooh, you're a poet. Hey, man, turn that frown upside down. That's what you can say to somebody when they're frowning. Turn that frown upside down. And what's an upside down frown, Ethan? It's a smile. There you go. Oh, yeah. So yeah, gap your sabbatical, you know taking a time off from, you know, from what you're doing, your career, I think this is super important. I think think about you know a lot of high school students they're asked. I know in Brazil for example, you know when you graduate from high school, you take your test, your college prep test, and that determines your career the rest of your life. And a lot of kids just don't know they don't know themselves. So it's like how can you really decide what your career is going to be the rest of your life? And I think we need more of a culture to encourage people to get out in the world, experiment, discover themselves, meet themselves through their travel experiences and, and think in different ways thinking from a from a multi multicultural perspective that's so important
0: i think it's it's becoming like more and more crucial as like to have those kind of global competencies on your curriculum on your resume
1: yeah we could actually do a whole podcast on, on this part but jumping to the next insight that i think ethan and i share there's this idea of like travelers versus tourists so how would you break that down ethan
0: I think that as a tourist, you can really get to know some places and, you know, you can have a lot of fun, but people tend to go for a two-week vacation, which is a very superficial way to see a place. And generally, you'll even be kind of caged off from the real culture. Like I just think of...
1: Cage? What do you mean by that?
0: Phrase verb, cage off, is to like, to be divided, to be separated by a wall or, or some sort of a barrier and... I just remember like uh, the very typical thing in the US, which I did when I was growing up with my family was going to Mexico. Like we'd go once or twice a year, but it's like, you're, you're kind of like in a con, we'd be like in condos or you're at like a resort or something like that. You're just surrounded by other, mostly like white people, <laughs> like mostly other tourists that are there visiting as well. And you don't really tend to get into like how the people live there. And I think I traveled a lot when I was a kid, but I didn't have this realization until I went to live abroad of just like really being surrounded by the culture and getting a taste for how different people in different parts of the world live. And I, I definitely, we'd say like got the bug. I got really addicted to that, to seeing the different ways of living
1: all around the world. You got the bug? What do you mean by that? You got
0: bitten by the bug? So the bug, if we say you can get a bug is like you get uh, you get like a virus or you get some sort of sickness, but there's like the travel bug. So uh, we say when people start to travel, there's kind of this, almost like you get this virus of where you just want to travel all the time. You don't want to be home. You just want to discover the world.
1: What's a no more romantic way to say that, Ethan? Wanderlust, right? Wanderlust. If you noticed in my intro, I said a wanderlusty. That's not actually a word, but lusty is a word, I think. But what's lust, by the way?
0: Lust is like, um, it's kind of similar to love, but it's, it's not love. It's like when you're more passionately attracted to someone.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a sexual desire. And so it's almost like wanderlust. And what does wander mean?
0: Wander means uh, travel, basically. It's a German word, wanderlust. It's like a, a love of discovery.
1: Okay, here's a quote that we didn't actually use today, but I really liked it. Not all that wander are lost. Really like that quote.
0: Not all, those, not all those who wander are lost, right?
1: Yeah, there you go. So anyways, wanderlust, wanderlusty. That's it. You got to be curious. You got to you got to really develop that desire to get out in the world. I mean, you don't need to, but it's a nice thing if you can. And even more, you got to get off the beaten path. Throwing them back to you, Mr. V. Beaten path.
0: Off the beaten path. So, if you go, for example, on a hike or you go to a touristic location, generally the path, the road, has many footprints on it because many people have walked it before. But sometimes you can find like another path, another road that goes off in another direction that that's, uh, very raw. It's like barely used and it might lead you to discovering something really fascinating, something really interesting that otherwise you would miss if you just stayed on the path that everyone else uses. So basically we use that for like going again, not doing what you see everyone else doing, trying something new, trying to discover something, something new and adventurous.
1: And usually the key to this oftentimes is getting to know people in the city who are willing to show you that. And because it's really, it's really important to have that human relationship because these are the experiences that aren't necessarily written about in the main tourist guides, right?
0: Exactly. And I know that we had noted down to talk about couch surfing, which maybe it's a a great way to actually bring it in here is I think it's kind of a new form of traveling that has really allowed people to get off the beaten paths to get off the beaten path. So instead of traveling like a tourist, you're traveling like a local you stay at the, the home of people who live there and they tend to show you around and take you, maybe they take you to do something that tourists wouldn't do. They take you to do something that locals do.
1: So couch surf, what exactly does that mean? Because the term actually existed before the company and the website, right?
0: Probably. So surf is to, I mean, people I think know what surfing is like uh, on a wave, or we also say surfing the internet, or we say channel surfing when you're looking for something on TV. So, it's a similar thing that you're going from place to place and couch is uh, basically like what you have on your living room that's generally for sitting on, like a sofa.
1: A sofa, yeah.
0: But, uh, you know, maybe if you have a guest, if you don't have a lot of space, they might sleep on your couch. So, it's basically this idea that instead of staying in an expensive hotel room or something like that that someone who's got a little extra space might let you sleep on their couch or sleep on the floor in a sleeping bag, or maybe they have an extra bed. But it's this idea of traveling and staying with locals.
1: Yeah, I think there's a website called Airbnb. Airbnb is a place where you can go and you can look for you know, places to stay and, and pay people. So you can rent out a room or rent out an apartment. So I think couch was kind of the first validation of that idea that people would be willing to stay with other people for you know stay with strangers. Or something. But one of the things I love about couch surfing isn't necessarily that, but it's actually that they have meetups and communities in you know, different cities. So it's a really great way to meet people, meet people that you would never want to meet locals who want to show you the off the beaten path experience.
0: Yeah, that's definitely. I've, I've also had uh, a lot of really good experiences with that. Do you want to roll into that next point?
1: So, one final point here that I want to make about you know, this whole idea of traveler versus tourist I think people, there's this idea when you go with a camera you know, you go with a, to take pictures or to film something. I think there's kind of this idea that like, oh, I'm going to be able to to register this moment forever. And so, you kind of get obsessed about taking the picture, about the image of what that picture is going to seem like on social media rather than being present in the moment and experiencing it. And I think it's, all, it's kind of like if you go to a concert, you know, there's somebody there, they're like filming the concert and they're looking at the, the camera, but they're not actually experiencing it because they think that filming it is somehow going to capture the moment forever. or They're going to show it to people. And I think it's just a little bit silly.
0: I've definitely uh, tried to get in the habit of when I go places, I mean, I take way less pictures than I used to. Now what I try to do if I go somewhere special is like take a snapshot and then put my phone, which is my camera, put my phone away and like actually just appreciate the moment, appreciate the people I'm with or whatever's happening there.
1: Yeah. Do you want to like introduce the next topic and just so we can like kind of move through these these trips really quickly and then... And then finished off with language learning.
0: So, Justin, we both went to the same university. Maybe people who have been listening to this podcast for a long time might already know that. But if you don't, we coincidentally studied at the same university, not at the same time. And how from that point of, of studying in Colorado in the beautiful town of Boulder, one of the best places you could possibly live, how would you possibly ever want to leave there?
1: Well, like it started kind of before that because I'm from Washington State. Washington State is, is actually in the northwest of the United States above California and Oregon. So people think Washington State is like Washington, D.C. But I grew up there and I was a runner. And I was training like really hard from the time I was 13 to the time I was like 21, 22. And I had this big dream of moving to Colorado, the, the place where you had the best runners in the world, Olympians, to move to Colorado to train with runners. And so I moved there initially to take a break from university in Washington State University where I was running on the, on the university team. And I ended up staying in Colorado when I moved there with like just very little money. And I I had like a couple hundred dollars and I started working at you know Safeway. Safeway is like where you, you bag groceries. You know what that means? So that's something that maybe isn't as common and
0: outside of the United States is that there will be at a grocery store, generally at big grocery stores. There are younger people tend to have a job helping people to put their groceries in bags.
1: Yeah. So I ended up going to school there. And studying humanities, which is kind of an area, you're studying like lots of things like psychology and history and uh, sociology, many many interesting topics. So that kind of opened my perspective to the world. And I started reading this author, Jack Kerouac, who we mentioned earlier, outside of school, actually. I didn't read him in school, but I met some people who introduced me to him. and, And he wrote this book called On the Road, which talks about this traveling group of artists who basically travel between New York City, San Francisco, and Mexico City. And just doing all sorts of crazy things, consuming lots of drugs too, like poetry and and music and and like jazz and all this really great stuff. And it glorifies this artistic movement. And I read another book called Dharma Bums by him, which is similar. And this inspired me to just start traveling. And I took a road trip to Mexico on my, my vehicle, my car. And I ended up going back to the United States a couple months later, just selling my car and buying a backpack. And I filled my backpack with, like, all these different, like, books because I thought I was going to be reading the entire time. Didn't have Kindles back in those days. E-readers. This was like, 2005, I believe. Yeah. So, right before, you know, the internet had already started, but the mobile devices hadn't really um, caught on yet. What's to catch on? To catch on means to um, become popular, right? Or to actually become a part of mainstream, the, the masses. So, I started hitchhiking around Mexico. What does hitchhiking mean, Mr. V.? to hitchhike is like
0: when you go on the road and you stick your thumb out and hope for someone to stop and give you a ride.
1: Exactly. So I had lots of just wonderful adventures traveling to Mexico for like a year. I lived in a city called Guanajuato, which is like the north of Mexico city. And then I moved to Oaxaca. And basically in Oaxaca, it's the southern part of Mexico and it's very indigenous. I lived in a city called Tristoba, And it's really cool the south of Mexico because you have all these like, Really nice, beautiful cities in nature. Lots of wonderful things to discover: pyramids, indigenous uh, ruins from from these past cultures, cultures, the Mayan culture, and you have these beach towns. And it's all very kind of like rustic, built for backpackers. Not built for backpackers, but it's not. It hasn't been turned into like the hotel tourist industry. So you have lots of um, Europeans and Americans and just people from you know all around the world traveling between these cities, these small cities you know, from beach town to beach town, kind of like staying at these hostels on the beach, you know, Bob Marley and Manu Chow <laughs> and, you know, some music that is associated with the hippies a lot of times. But it's just, it's, you can travel for cheap and, and it's kind of an English speaking circuit. So I think for English learners, it's perfect for this. And so this is something like just traveling for a year I was learning Spanish a lot, but also I was meeting people from around the world. And that was sort of like giving me this different perspective because I met people from all these different countries and they really opened my mind to Latin America, to other places in the world. And I started to come to that realization really, really strongly that there's so much more in common that, that, that divides us. I was able to challenge my stereotypes about different countries and it was just a really powerful experience. So I went back to the United States, you know, after that year... I just started saving money, and I was obsessed with Spanish. I was listening to Spanish music. I worked at a hotel. I was doing like room service and parking cars, and there were lots of Mexican people working there. And I would speak Spanish all the time. And it was sort of like my second identity there. They called me Pancho Lopez, actually. Because Pancho Lopez was a nickname given to me by a friend of mine in Mexico. It's, it's kind of like a Mexico revolutionary named Pancho Lopez from like 100 years ago or something. But he, he gave it to me, this called me poncho lopez and so when i started at this job i said oh i'm justin and just like in brazil and every place else people would say like oh justin timberlake and people would make fun of me for my name <laughs> or nowadays justin bieber and so i just started i've mentioned my name was as, as poncho and then everybody just started calling me poncho after that so i, I spent a couple of years in the united states saving up money and then i, I went back to mexico and i started traveling again and i went to Colombia. And I was about, probably about 28 at that point. Right now I'm 38. And I took a, a TEFL course. What exactly is TEFL, Ethan?
0: TEFL is teaching English as a foreign language. So you
1: get a TEFL certificate. Yeah, I took a 120 hour course in, in Cali, Colombia. Because, you know, Ethan and I, we grew up as native speakers. So, you know, that doesn't give us the ability to teach. I mean, it, it's definitely a big advantage to help people. But I think we need to, a lot of times, you know, taking a course like this or, Learning how to teach from in, in other ways can help us really see things from the perspective of an English learner. So, But then I, d- I didn't end up using that because I got a job at, at teaching um, like English literature at a bilingual high school in a city called Manizales, Colombia. So I, I worked there for a couple of years. After that time period, I, I took a boat down the Amazon River from Colombia to Manaus, Brazil. So I took a four-day trip that was like this multi-layered boat and slept on a hammock. So basically, you know, you you got to, we traveled like in the middle of the river going down the Amazon and a really beautiful trip, really nice time. They had three meals a day on the boat, discovering Brazilian culture, starting to speak Portuguese. I traveled around Brazil for a little while and, you know, I traveled from the north to the south. This is all very kind of like um, resumed, very quick because obviously there are lots of other experiences. I talk for hours about that. But uh, in Brazil, I traveled from, you know, spent Carnival in like a city called Olinda, and, you know, I went to Rio, you went to, I went to Florianopolis, where I'm at right now, Bahia, had some really great experiences there. And then I ended up in Belo Horizonte. Belo Horizonte is where we started Real Life English. Shortly after I met Chad and we started this project. And all those experiences from all that time came back into Real Life English, what Real Life English is. And your
0: most recent, I guess, adventure other than in Brazil was in Chile, right? Was when we were in Chile a couple of years ago. It's Crazy already a couple of years ago
1: yeah so we after starting real life english basically we started this this technological project this building the uh the platform we started this program called startup chile in chile ethan chad and i went to chile all of us and we spent seven months just working our asses off on what does work your ass off mean ethan it means to work very hard yeah so in the middle of that ethan and i had the opportunity to do another type of traveling and what did we do, Ethan?
0: We did, oh, it's a sort of backpacking, but a different kind of backpacking, like trekking with a big backpack in the mountains in um, Torres del Paine, in the south of the very south of Chile, in Patagonia, which was spectacularly beautiful. Just like, uh, I believe, three days there hiking around in, in the, the southern tip of the Andes. Very cold weather, but we got very lucky with the, the sun, with it not raining too much. Had uh, rats in our tent the first night.
1: Or mice, not rats. Rats are bigger, right? Mice are small, right? We had like a,
0: a little mouse in our tent the first night. And then I believe after that, we we stayed in a uh, sort of hostel the, the second night to to avoid the mice and, and warm up a little bit.
1: Definitely good times. Trekking is like more in nature, right? It's You have a backpack in nature. Some people might call that backpacking too. But it's definitely more of, officially the term is trekking. There's even like a whole different category of like gear camping gear, right? It's like backpacking and camping put together. And backpacking is kind of like you can backpack through Europe.
0: Definitely. There's definitely a lot of the the stereotype of, of it being through Europe.
1: Yeah. So that was a, an amazing trip and really great, just nice peace in nature and just discovering an important part of Chile. One of the other things I wanted to talk about really quickly before we end this is... The impact that my traveling had on just my perception of language. It's like I had taken Spanish class in high school and then I forgot everything. And then I went to college and I took it again. And I never really learned. And I think this is a similar experience what English learners have out there. Many English learners, they study and they forget and they never really get engaged in an effective process. So this was my experience in high school and at university. But I wasn't really understanding that language learning is not a school subject. Kind of many of the things that we try to teach at Real Life English uh, were missing in my own perception. So I went back to the United States in between those trips and I gave a um, presentation in my high school to Spanish students, kind of telling them about just my experience of waking up to what really is a language learning process and all of the opportunity and all the potential. It's kind of like having you're, you're blindfolded to the language. What's a blindfold? A blindfold is something you put over your eyes. But you're not going to really learn unless you can take the blindfold off to the cultural aspects of the language, to the, the, the real life aspect of that. So, and you can do that through, you know, culture and media and meeting people like online and just being curious and wanderlust even. But you can't do that if you look at the language as just a body of grammar. That was basically my message. And, and for me, that was like a really important part of that presentation and that interaction and just my realization of those things was an important part of of um, building the foundation for real life English for me.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, another huge advantage you have with English is that like English doesn't just open the doorway to learning about English speaking culture. So like American, British, Australian cultures, but it opens the doorway to every culture since it's the lingua franca. You can go and you can backpack around South, uh, South America or around uh, Europe and meet people from all over the world in, in these hostels or couch surfing, and you're probably going to communicate in English. And so you'll be just exposed to the entire world through this. So if you're learning the language just to be able to communicate with native speakers, you're kind of limiting the potential of, of just learning about the entire world and and so much more.
1: And the thing about that is like, I think study abroad programs, exchange programs, they sell the myth. They sell like you're going to go to the United States or Canada and speak English with natives all the time, but it's really not the case. Most of the time when you go there, you, you study with other foreigners. You might live in a host family, but maybe your experience is not so profound or so deep with that family because you, you're not going to be speaking with them all the time. It's like you need to make friends with people, you know, d- develop deeper relationships, tell your life story, go through experiences. And that takes time. It takes a lot of time. Uh, I tell people a lot of times, okay, you want to go to Canada, spend, you know, thousands of dollars to go to Canada and study abroad and, you know, study at the school. Why not just go to Rio and just hang out at the hostels and go out, you know, on the town with foreigners there? Because the language of the hostels is english and so if you want to speak english all day long you know you, you can spend it with hostels and i think people that i've talked to that have had that experience report that they learn a lot a lot more than going and, and just sitting in a classroom with a bunch of other foreigners learning english in, in canada for example mm-hmm.
0: for sure i mean the other trap that people fall into a lot i met For example, a lot of Brazilians who went to live in Canada and they just ended up being surrounded by other Brazilians and speaking Portuguese all the time. So it's like you have to be, if you end up studying abroad, you have to be very careful who you spend your time with if your goal is the fluency in the language. And that is, again, that's why sometimes people who just travel and they're staying in hostels and maybe aren't running into as many people from their home country can be a lot more successful in in just getting that conversational fluency.
1: And this is something that I think is important. I've, I've met a lot of people, my students, for example, in the past who have told me like, oh, when I travel, I don't travel hostels. I stay at hostels. They stay at hotels or, you know, now Airbnbs. But the thing is, it's important to recognize what you're missing out on or that opportunity. So, maybe there are other ways. If you can stay at a hostel, for example, they have private rooms sometimes. You can still get the best of both worlds. You can participate in the community aspect of a hostel and still have your privacy. Most definitely.
0: And... I just say like the f- a final thing there is is that when you're traveling and you're around other travelers, it's kind of like you have something in common immediately like that will connect you even though you're from two different countries. Just to take the same example again, if you're like from Brazil and you go live in Canada and you want to make a lot of Canadian friends, it can be a lot more challenging because – people there, they already have their own group of friends. They don't really see anything that they have in common with you. And of course you can meet people who are more open-minded and who will be really interested in meeting people from other countries, but that does tend to be more the minority. The fact that you're already have something really in common that you're traveling, it lowers the barrier a lot, especially when you're already kind of timid to speak the language because it's, you know, you're not so accustomed to speaking English.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and it's, I think it's really important uh, on top of that to, to treat it like an adventure of meeting people, not just the adventure of going to the place, but an adventure of meeting people from that place, meeting people from around the world. Every trip that you take, you can be mapping out future trips. You can be ma- making those friends, those connections, because if you go on a trip, you go backpacking and you meet people, you know, five other friends from around the world stay in touch with them. You're going to have your English speaking network in the world. And, and, and in the future, you're going to travel to different places. You're going to meet them and have more experiences. Maybe travel together. I think there's, there's so much possibility. It's like your life is a, is a vast, glowing, empty page where anything is possible. I don't know where that came from. It just surged in my, into my mind.
0: Exactly. I've definitely done a lot of traveling just based on that. Like, oh, I know someone here. I'm going to go there, have a free place to stay and, and a, a local guide. So. All right, so let's uh, wrap up this podcast, shall we? You can find the show notes from all of the vocabulary, all of the resources and links we mentioned, and to learn how you can give us a five-star review, help other learners find this podcast and improve their English with us just like you are. And also, you might just get shouted out as the Kick-Ass Learner of the Week in our next podcast. So we'll see you next week. Three, two, one.
1: Oh uh, yeah! yeah.